It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blue's Disney On Demand, and it has arrived. Yes, it is show number 100 for the week of February 19th, 2015. And this week, since we are celebrating our 100th show here at Diz Radio, we are doing things a little bit different. We're going to have something just really fun in the wings. But first, our special guest here this week is a voice actor, a man who knows all about being spooky. We have none other than Mark Silverman, the voice of Rod Serling from Twilight Zone's Tower of Terror attraction at the Hollywood Studios. Mark's going to stop in. He's going to talk about the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, being Rod Serling, how he got that gig, as well as other voice work he's done on other Disney DVDs and some other tidbits and stories that he has as well. In addition, as I mentioned, for show number 100, this show is going to be completely different. For show number 100, fear not, we're not changing formats here at the show, but the D team has asked for it. Every single week, I say, this show is brought to you because of the love of the D team. Them coming here every single week to bring these segments to you, and they have been asking me for weeks and months, I I kid you not, D-heads, they have been asking me non-stop to have a fireside chat. So this week for show number 100, we have our very first Diz Radio fireside chat to celebrate our 100th episode. The D team is here all in the same room in the studio. We're going to be chatting, having some fun tidbits and all kinds of little things popping up throughout the show. So to officially celebrate show number 100, we have all kinds of fun on the horizon. Maybe a little bit of news, some live WDW and 2 and other goodies to celebrate our 100th show, including a very special look back at all of our past guests here at Diz Radio. So before I jump into the show and kick it off here this week, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by DVC-Rental.com. At DVC-Rental.com, you can save up to 60% on your next Walt Disney World vacation just by purchasing unused Vacation Club points through DVC-Rental.com and save that money and stay at the Grand Floridian, the Polynesian, and other fantastic resorts and use that money on what else? Souvenirs. So book those trips at dvc-rental.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So with that said, D-Heads, I want to kick it off in style, have some fun, so let's officially kick off show number 100 for the week of February 19th, 2015. And when I come back, we are going to have the D-Team here with me in the studio as we gear up for our fireside chat and the one and only Mark Silverman stopping in here at the show. Be right back, all of you D-Heads. 100 has arrived.
This is Mark Silverman, the voice of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. And you're listening to Disney On Demand. I can't believe it. It's Disney Blues. Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, so I hope you enjoyed the kickoff so far, and what a kickoff for the show. It's our show 100. We have Mark Silverman stopping in here, you know, the voice of Rod Serling from Tower of Terror, and this week, it's slightly different because it is our 100th. Our 100th show, we're getting that much deeper into Diz Radio. Everyone on the team has been asking to have a fireside chat, to have everybody come in one show together, you know, and it's something that I've veered away from for quite some time, so... You never know. This may turn into something better later, and I don't know where it's going to go. But I guess first off, let's start with the introductions. And I guess let's start with the oldest member here so far. And Aaron, you know Aaron from I Want to Know. And uh, I guess we have Aaron, Paige, Nathan, and Caitlin here. But let's start with Aaron. And Aaron, give all the D-heads a little bit about yourself, how you got involved with the show, and how you found Diz Radio. Oh, hello, everybody. This is uh, Aaron. You know, I, I, I want to know. Um... I've been really big into the Disney podcast. I just stumbled across Jonathan's podcast one day. Really enjoyed it. He said he was looking for some new members, so I gave him a ring, and we went from there. It's uh, been really enjoyable. I think I get out of it just as much as the UD heads do. I love you know reliving some old memories and learning new things, so I had a really enjoyed it. It's uh, been a lot of fun. <laughs> well, you know, and, and you coming on board, like you said, you just stumbled across it, and I was putting that call out to everybody, and that's going to bring me into, we're just going to do the quick introductions here for now before we get into everything else, because this could go kind of crazy here, but I guess uh, moving along here in Paige, Magical Music Review, and uh, I guess Diz Radio, how did you find it, and uh, you know, a little bit about your segment for anybody that's just tuning in at Show 100, which if you are, shame on you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Paige. I, uh, like Jonathan said, I'm part of the Magical Music Review. Um, I stumbled across the show. Uh, I was on Facebook and I was just um, scrolling through, and I saw um, I saw an ad on the side of the screen for uh, for the podcast, and I clicked on it, and uh, I just looked around and listened to some of what I uh, what was there, and I was really impressed. So I started following it. And then I remember I saw an all call from Jonathan. Um, this would be around July 2013 at this point um, for a music reviewer. And I had just done a, uh, a music appreciation class in my high school. I'm a very big bando um, in every way and choir nerd and whatever. And so I asked Jonathan what that uh, what a music reviewer would really um, would do on the show, and uh, he just kind of gave me a rundown of uh, basically what I've what I've ended up doing with it, and I thought it sounded fun, and yeah, I took a swing at it, and I think it's going well. <laughs> well, well, at least it's at least you think it's going well, you know, and we'll we'll let you keep thinking that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I like, think it's going well anyway. <laughs> All right, well, going down the line here, I'm just going to keep moving right along here. And Nathan, of course, with the, uh, uh, you know, This Week in Disney History. And your story is a little bit different because you had no clue what you wanted to do on the show. And I'm like, just shooting stuff out there for you. I guess, uh, how did you find the show and get involved? That's 100% true. No, I, um, 
Well, I'm Nathan, and uh, as you guys know, I do This Week in Disney History for the team. And um, honestly, I, I was a lot like uh, Paige. I was I was just scrolling through. I mean, I always listened to Disney podcasts in the past. I mean, it started out with, you know, your standard ones, like with Lou and uh, Mike Relman. And I, uh, you know, I was a pretty regular listener and everything. But I was scrolling through Facebook one day, and I remember randomly liking uh, Disney On Demand. And I listened to a few shows here and there, and then one day I saw a, uh, an ad that you posted, and ironically, it was of a uh, fishing lure, and, you know, said it was a different kind of Disney show, and uh, the ironic part of that is it actually hooked me, and <laughs> it, it kind of lured me into want to know more. So, you know, I ended up uh, messaging the show uh, Facebook page, and then Jonathan all of a sudden sent me about three different friend requests from about 80 different accounts. <laughs> <laughs> and we started shooting the breeze talking and and yeah he was just saying you know it's it's a pretty casual thing and you know you don't really have to have a forte right now but here's kind of what we're doing and what are you interested in and basically just it was it was negotiations for a few weeks just talking back and forth and then eventually one day he's like well i got a new segment it's disney history and he just you know he had one self-prepared and tossed it my way and I remember running out to lunch that day to the bank ATM and I was sitting in the parking lot on my iPhone with the earbuds <laughs> recording <laughs> like just the most probably the worst introduction one I felt I was so paranoid about it and I repeated <laughs> myself a few times and it went out raw so that was a good start <laughs> but yeah it was uh and that's really where it all started and here I am, uh, shocking 22 shows later. Right, you know, and, and, you know, it's funny that you said that, you know, sitting there with your earbuds in, sitting in your car, and that's one of the joys of doing this show, is you never know where you're going to record it, when it's going to happen, and uh, I guess, of, of course, now, our last person who's here with our team, and, you know, maybe we'll have to have a memoriam later for the team members that have been lost over the years, but... <laughs> 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 that makes it sound bad. It's so sad. <laughs> right. But, you know, of course, Caitlin, and we have WDW in two because the one thing I like is we all love the parks. And you got involved with, you know, this two minute rundown, the parks, I guess, what drew you in, and now part of the family here. Yes. I. I've just always had a really, really special connection with Disney World. Uh, one of the reasons being that I worked in Disney World. Uh, I did the Disney College program while I was at Purdue, and I just loved it. I was stationed in the Emporium in Magic Kingdom, and it was just the best, best experience I could have ever hoped for. So uh, doing... WDW and two was just a really natural fit for me because I always, you know, keep up with what's going on and what's coming up in Disney World. And uh, I actually found Diz Radio on Twitter. So not Facebook like Paige and Nathan, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I found you I found you guys on Twitter and it was it was so random. I I must follow like seven hundred different accounts on Twitter, most of which are Disney lovers. And I just randomly found his radio and listened to a few of the shows, saw that they needed a blogger, and I also love to write. So I was just like, I have to be a part of this. Like, I, I just, I have to be a part. So I was just so thankful that Jonathan just welcomed me in. Like, I'm sure he did everybody else. So it's it's been a whirlwind of a year, but I've loved every second of it. I needed a creative outlet really badly. So this radio was just perfect. It was the perfect fit. 
See, so now all of you D-heads out there, you had a chance to meet the team here. We are missing Jason tonight because he had some things come up. And, of course, Lexi is down at the Magic Kingdom working in the college program. But, you know, Aaron, Paige, Nathan, Caitlin, you know, here we are. You know, short introductions. And I guess that brings us into Diz Radio. It is show 100. And who would have thought, you know, back in 2010 that this show would have sparked into a hundred shows later, almost five years later, you know, countless guests, all of you guys part of the team, I guess in looking at that history and pulling back, you know, many of the guests and everything with the show, uh, what, uh, I guess, looking back at that, what, what, I guess, what interviews and what parts of the show and people really drew you in over the years? Oh gosh, <laughs> who's going to start? It's a hard list. Uh, there's, they're all so great. I will. I will say this. I I went through. Uh, uh, I went through the list, and I thought I picked out um, a few of my favorites. I I absolutely love Mark Elliott's um, from recently. Uh, just listening to it, I completely felt like I was just sitting there listening to one long introduction to a movie. It was it was totally my childhood. And then and and Noel McNeil. I mean, going back to this time last year. When when Jonathan told me he got Noel, I was thrilled. Yes. <laughs> I I, <laughs> I probably freaked you out with how excited I was. But he Noel was such a part of my childhood um, uh, with Bear that I was I was fascinated to listen to um, to him talking about about the show and just talking about his start into pup, uh, puppetry and then um, his Kickstarter programs. Um, but I mean, really, all of them—they're so interesting to talk uh, to listen uh, to because they all have such different stories uh, to tell. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll tell you who I just adored is Pat Carroll. Oh yes, I, I listened to that one again, and she just is so passionate and so joyful. And you could just tell that she loved every second of everything that she's done and been a part of. And, you know, just her being Ursula and being being known for being the bad guy. But she is just, she seemed like the sweetest lady alive. I just loved listening to her uh, talk with Jonathan. And, um, I mean, it just drew a smile across my face like she just seemed so sweet and and I I'm a huge little mermaid fan so of course like I think talking to her would be just the coolest thing ever and uh Jim Cummings too voice of Pooh and Tigger and Darkwing Duck like I loved Darkwing Duck he was my absolute favorite it was my costume for Halloween when I was in kindergarten. I literally went up to everyone's doors and did the whole spiel. I was like, I am the terror that flaps in the night. Like I, I made the I made the people before they gave me candy like listen to my whole Donald Duck intro. And so listening to him was just incredible too. <laughs> hey, Jim is Jim is one of those guys where, you know, he changes his voice so much during the interview too. He just jumps into character so fast that you know in a half a second it would bring me back to something from my childhood and I'm just like wow you know and then I forget who I'm talking to sometimes and I'm like oh wait yeah all right I gotta compose myself here I can't be a fanboy yes (laughs) (laughs) 
I told somebody um, the other day that Jim Cummings had been on our show before, and I was like, that name sounds really familiar. What's he been in? I was like, how much time do you have? <laughs> I was like, how many things have you watched through the Disney catalog and beyond? And it's like quite a bit. It's like, okay, then you probably have seen his name at least 50 times running through the credits. <laughs> yes. Right. You know, and, and, and the other person to go along with him is Rob Paulson. And Rob Paulson has been in so much stuff. He's just like Jim Cummings. I mean, you know, thousands of roles. I mean, and if he keeps up at this, he could be a Jeopardy question soon as to which guy has voiced every Ninja Turtle. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, but uh, I guess, Nathan, you, you're the only one who hasn't said anything yet. Who, who's been your favorite? Other, other, other than yourself being on the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you just finished my list, so I guess we're good. <laughs> No, we, uh, um, I mean, before I say mine, you know, or a few of them, uh, I got to agree with Paige. Like, she pretty much hit the nail on the head. I was listening to, my number two actually is Mark Elliott. Um, but yeah, like, I, uh, just listening to him, it, it really, it was just like I stepped through a time machine. I was just listening to my childhood again. And I mean, even just listening, uh, when you had the previews of some of the, you know, the Disney trailers from old VHS and everything like that in the theaters just playing throughout the show, like, every single one of them just hit home like it was just like i mean it, it was great and i feel bad because like the generation now they just don't really get to live that for the first time like you know thankfully for the internet and and older versions of movies and everything like that they get to but it's just like i mean like you know um and basically it was like i remember him saying in the interview he was talking to a lady if i recall right um that she said basically every time she heard his voice she just knew something good was coming and the second I knew that we were going to have him, I'm like, something great is coming, you know? And, but yeah, when she was saying, you know, like, it just felt like we were listening to one huge trailer. Um, I, I mean, at the end of it, I was kind of sitting there on the edge of my seat, like, when's the release date? I got to go see this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I was like, you got to hear what we have. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And, but yeah, I mean, like, he, he really hit home. Um, some of the other ones on the top of my list, um, <laughs> the one was uh, Stephen Lawrence, because that was my first episode. And um, as rough as it was for my first segment, I couldn't be prouder, because, I mean, here I am still later on. Um, Jody Sweeten, that, that was a great one, because Full House was a huge thing for me as a kid. It was just like, yes. you know, every week I would like I would sit down after school or on the weekends when they were, you know, doing reruns later on and the show was running, and it just... I mean, it took me away to another place. I just, I was one of the tanners and I was ready for some mishaps, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but my number one is, is definitely Stacey Aswag because she just, I mean, like every time we go to the parks, it's not a Disney trip unless she tells you all the must do's, you know? And we just like, 
I remember she was talking to my daughter Natalie one time on Facebook when I added her a while back um, on her page, and uh, she was—I I really thought she was going to explode. She was just sitting there like, "Really? It's the real Stacy? I can't believe this," you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, not to sound cheesy, I—I I, I love them all. Like everybody has their own story, like you guys said, and it's interesting to hear every single one of them. But those ones really seem to jump out at me the most. I, I really tell you which one I really. Bruce Boxleitner getting way back to like show 12. I grew up, Tron was the thing when I was a kid. You know, I know you guys are, some of you guys are a little bit younger, but me and Jonathan, you know, Tron, the video game Tron, it was just the coolest thing when it came out. And then, you know, associate that voice with the movie and the other stuff that he did as growing up. I just, I thought he was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, you know us us old guys there. We love our Tron. You know, I, I you know I I I gotta admit it. When I go to the office, I'll be wearing a black shirt, and underneath it, I have my uh, Flynn Live shirt underneath it. So I'm good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's so neat. <laughs> the computer, an extension of the human intellect. The NCOM five eleven. Center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. Programmed by Master Control to survive by all means. Soon, the ultimate tool will become the ultimate enemy. I still do not understand why you want to break into the system. Because, man, somewhere in one of these memories is the evidence. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. Kevin Flynn, computer genius. <laughs> Taken prisoner and held captive within the digital world of the computer itself. Trapped inside an electronic arena Where love And escape Do not compute myself i'd say you know there's a lot of great 
great guests we've had and many of them I've had personal connections with because I, I will admit a lot of times I'm, I'm going through these guests to get somebody and a lot of it is because it's my own personal I just want to connect with some of these people and you know looking back I mean some of them that have been really good for me was uh, Robbie Benson uh, was was a big one um, as well as Jim Cummings and for myself it's it's almost a different aspect than you you guys the team and the listeners out there because you know when I'm talking with a lot of these people we're we're talking for you know an hour hour and a half and all of it doesn't get aired and Robbie and I you know we had this deepest you know heart to heart about father and child relationships that we never aired but they're in my vault that I will always leave with and those are kind of some of the personal connections I have with some of these that. You know, I look back and everyone's like, well, Robbie was okay on the show. But I'm like, oh, you just don't know what happened off off air. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, those are, those are some of them that were for me. But, you know, some of the big ones that stick out in my mind over the years was, you know, Haley Mills was big for me. Just uh, Haley was just a big one. And then also Kim Richards because growing up escape to witch mountain return to witch mountain you know i always had a crush on her growing up and then i approached her and at the time i didn't realize what was going on and she's like let my agent get back to you and they sent me seriously it was probably about 30 pages of paperwork and i had no clue what it was about and i'm like really for this for this actress that hasn't done anything in years and come to find out it's because i had to sign releases because they used my interview on the real housewives of beverly hills and i'm like oh all of a sudden one day i'm flipping through the channels and you know i'm getting phone calls from people was that your voice on tv i'm like i i, I don't know was it <laughs> you know and here we are with show 11 and i'm like i, I don't know was it and to me that one's still special because i'm like come on all right I was, I was part of that show before that show became trendy <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely but you know, you know, looking back, it, it is amazing how different, different ones connected different people. You know, everything from the party, and um, you'd, you'd be surprised how many people are all about Thomas Wilson Brown from Honey I Shrunk the Kids, and you know, the list just kind of goes all over the place. But uh, you know, for each of you, I mean, if you could pick just top five without any explanations, I guess going down the list, what would be your top five interviews that we've had so far, um, starting with Aaron? Well, let's see, you know, like I said, Bruce Boxotner, definitely, uh, you nailed another one with Haley Mills, you know, Parent Trap, I grew up, I don't know how many times I watched that movie, uh, love John Ratzenberger, not just for his Disney work, but, you know, I always remember him as, uh, you know, from Cheers, you know, growing up watching that show, um, and, and Mr. Pro-America, that's, that's good to keep in mind, too, uh, ex exactly, uh, Art LaFleur, another great, I bet, I mean, he was so much fun, you know, just not only for his Disney stuff, but all his other stuff that he's done. I just, you know, and his voice is just so distinctive. I love it. And then uh, um, Eric Allen Kramer um, loved, you know, his show on the Disney Channel. Good luck, Carly. Hated to see that end. It uh, was really a throwback to me. It was a lot like the 80s shows, you know, like Family Ties and had a lot of that feeling to me watching it and you know it was a great family show we could all watch so i enjoyed getting to hear his you know perspective on the show and stuff well you know and the thing i liked about him too is you know it ties back to marvel and disney because people forget that he was thor on the incredible hulk show at bill bigsby yeah a long time ago 
<laughs> and for us old farts like Aaron and myself, you know, Robin Hood men in tights, you can't go wrong with that. That's right. Please. <laughs> Disney Channel's got a mini bite from Good Luck Charlie. Check it out. Great news, everybody. This year, for once, I don't have to work on Thanksgiving. Right. So we can all be together. All right. And I can cook Thanksgiving dinner. All right. Okay, what happened there? Honey, come on. It's just that cooking Thanksgiving dinner is a lot of work. Yeah, are you sure we shouldn't just eat out? I mean, for your sake. No way. Every Thanksgiving, I have to eat turkey sandwiches out of the hospital vending machine, and you guys have to go to the old-time buffet. This year, we're going to be together, and I am going to... Very beginning. I'm making this video diary to help you survive our special family. You've watched Teddy's video diaries of the Duncans. Good luck, Charlie. Now, Teddy will make one more. Hey, Charlie. Last video diary. On Sunday, February 16th, join the cast when they gather for a final farewell. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this experience with us. During the one-hour series finale event, Goodbye, Charlie. I'm going to miss you, Teddy. You're doing great, Mom. <laughs> Teddy leaves for college. Can smell? What do you want? Your room. And the Duncan's throw her a going-away party. Isn't it exciting? With a big surprise. Hi. Will Teddy and Spencer finally get back together? That'd be awesome to see each other. Be here for the one-hour series finale event. This is the end of an era. It's been a heck of a ride. Stay with me. Goodbye, Charlie. Goodbye, Charlie. Sunday, February 16th at 8, 7 central. So then, you know, shuffling up the order here then. So, Caitlin, what's your top five, you know, being one of the newbies here? Yeah, um, well, Pat Carroll and Jim Cummings, like I mentioned. But then also, I loved Andrew Keenan Bolger from Newsies the Musical and Luke Edwards from Newsies the Movie because I'm such a huge Newsies fan. And uh, let's see. Jennifer Cody, the voice of Charlotte in Princess and the Frog. I thought she was just the sweetest thing. And I I remember she she told you that she was supposed to have a song originally in the movie and it got cut and she was so heartbroken and I was so heartbroken for her but <laughs> I just thought she was she was a real sweetheart I liked liked hearing her story and then um Anybody from Once Upon a Time, uh, Raphael Sbarge, um, Lee Ehrenberg, Megan Ory. Um, it was, it's really cool to hear the behind the scenes for that because that's one of my favorite shows. That is a good show. You know, it's funny because, you know, Megan and Lee Ehrenberg, you know, when I approached Lee, it was really just because I wanted to talk to him about Pirates of the Caribbean. And we ended up talking about Once Upon a Time. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
And, uh, you know, and then, of course, you know, Megan, uh, you know, she was kind of shocked. She because the show was so new at the time. Uh, I remember getting a response from her and she got a voice. I got a voicemail directly from her after talking with her agent. She's like, so you sure you want to interview me? <laughs> so, <laughs> so so that was that was kind of fun because she was so down to earth, you know, so, um, you know, and, uh, you know, tossing a couple out there that are my favorites is Alan Young, just because. Not just not just Scrooge McDuck, but for me, it's Mr. Ed, a, a lot of old-time radio shows, the Alan Young show. I mean, for me, you know, speaking with him is some of these legends are the, are the, the ones that I really cherish and hearing their stories. But um, pushing along here with Nathan, what's your top five? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I wish I could say one through a hundred. That's such a loaded question. Um <laughs> It, it really does. I mean, some of the ones that I already mentioned, I mean, Stacy and Mark and uh, Jody and Steven. Um, one that I didn't mention, actually, uh, Alicia Rulin. We were like a huge, huge high school musical household. Like, my girlfriend is just obsessed. And <laughs> when she was in high school, she actually had a huge cardboard cutout of uh, Troy Bolton from High School Musical 3. <laughs> and she always joked that that was her actual boyfriend. <laughs> um but yeah, we just like, uh, I mean, we just, I, I love being able to talk about the Disney history segment about her because, it, you know, it's, just, it's one of those things that kind of just fits home. Um, a few that I didn't mention, uh, Don Wells, because, I mean, need I say more? <laughs> uh, Kimberly, we just, I, I always loved whenever the Halloween Town movies were uh, back, back on old, old, old Disney Channel. <laughs> old to me because I'm a youngin'. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but, you know, Pat Carroll, um, you know, again, any of the Once Upon a Time characters, I mean, Raphael Sabarge and uh, Richard Karn, he was another classic one I could tie into the whole uh, Full House era. I, I absolutely loved that show. That was another one that had me glued. Um, my daughter, she's, she's actually eight, so this goes back to... Um, Disney Channel she grew up watching, but Genevieve Goings, um, <laughs> when, let me tell you, it was no matter what was going on in our house, the second Choo Choo Soul came on, it was just like a, shh, this is my time, Dad, <laughs> kind of oh. moment. <laughs> it was the same with my son. He loved Choo right. Soul. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and Genevieve was so sweet, too. She was the nicest person. Aww. Yeah, that was that was a fantastic interview. That was like that was one of those things. It's like you see some of these you know celebs on TV, not necessarily just Disney people, but you see them and you always kind of wonder like, is that really them? And when you had her interview, it was just all like, yep, that's what we got on TV. Um, yeah, but I mean, man, there's just, there's so many that I can name off. Um, Eric Kramer, I'm gonna throw him in too because uh, good luck, Charlie. We just we adored that show. That was. A few summers ago, we actually got to go up to Chicago, um, and we went to a Disney concert up there, and we ended up getting to see uh, R5, um, oh, that's and cool. we, we actually, yeah, we got to see them, and they were here in St. Louis as well, at the Six Flags here, but then while we were there, we also got to see um, uh, Bridget Mendler, and we were up in the front row, and she actually, when she was singing Hurricane, she... Uh, she looked right down at my daughter Natalie, and they made like contact. And I was like, I was videotaping actually because she waved to her, and I thought I was gonna have to get a stretcher for her and carry her out of there. <laughs> I still have that videotape. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just to throw a few out there, that's that's. I mean, that doesn't complete my list, but I mean, that's that's a good foundation, I think. 
Definitely, you know, and the list, I mean, like you said, it's really hard to pick five, um, and, and it's always different, and for all the listeners out there, you know, one of them that tends to be popular, and I, I you know, there's a lot of things I probably, you know, even us as a team that, you know, I, I read or I hear, and, you know, I, I can't share everything, I forget it sometimes, you know, I'm too busy, but, you know, one of them that I've, I don't think I've shared with you guys even is one of the most popular interviews that gets, you know, it's in the top five of the most downloaded interviews, is Paul Kandel from Hunchback. Really? That's interesting. Right. I had to do some research after a while because I kept wondering why this interview kept getting so many downloads. Come to find out, we're pretty much one of the only interviews he's ever done. Oh, Oh, wow. So when people are searching for for something for him, it, it always gets a spike. And the other day it was his birthday and people are... You know, I got some tweets from people saying I was looking for something on Paul Candell because I love that movie. And the first thing that popped up was Diz Radio Interview. So whenever you search his name, our interview is one of the first things that pops up. That's very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. I should tell the listeners we didn't pay for that spot. That's legit. <laughs> 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 and, and he was a great guy and he had nothing but great things to say too um but you know going along here because i don't like to uh, uh put the focus on myself talking as much so i'm gonna push it off the page in your top five. Oh, i've been dreading you putting it on me <laughs> oh this is so hard i can't even tell somebody my favorite disney movie i hate that question uh, <laughs> I, I always have to say what era what genre animated or live action <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I'm, I am the exact same. Um, oh, I, I loved Bill Farmer, um, and just, uh, listening to him talk about um, talk about Goofy, especially the Goofy movie, because because um, that movie's just it's so it's so good to see the classic characters um, on on a big screen. Uh, loved Pat Carroll. I am convinced I would be great friends with her. She actually has the same birthday as me, so I, I think that's just as great. She was so full of energy the whole time, and I, I listened to it, and I immediately I just turned to my dad. I was like, okay, you have to listen to this entire thing right now. <laughs> um, oh, uh, I loved uh, John Morris, uh, the voice of Andy from oh, the Toy yeah. Story movies. Toy Story came out the year I was born, so I've literally grown up with uh, with Andy and the toys. Um, and just listening to him talk about the whole process was just so, it was so fascinating. Oh, gosh. Uh, Robbie Benson, that one was really good. I just, uh, I re-listened to that one actually today. And uh, hearing him talk about, um, even his, uh, his uh, producing and directing and writing, um, outside of the beast, um, and he's just done so many different things. Oh gosh, I've only named three, haven't I? I'm having such a hard time with this. <laughs> oh geez, I guess. And oh, <laughs> Mark Elliott. I mean, that one was just too good. And April Winchell, that one I really enjoyed uh, listening to her uh, talking about. Uh, I'm talking about recess um, with Miss uh, Finster. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Finster. I, I, grew, I grew up with the recess gang, so oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, listening to her talk about Miss Finster was pretty great. envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. 
I hate bad hair days. I'll fix you. <laughs> This'll do it. Not the gel. That's much better. I agree. We look awesome. Recess. Your favorite time of day. Now with a McDonald's Happy Meal, you can have recess anytime with the teacher, Miss Finster, or Vince. I'll be back tomorrow. One recess kids toy with every McDonald's Happy Meal you buy. Did uh, somebody say McDonald's? Well, you know, and, and all of them have their own stories. You know, I loved Dave Thomas because I loved how he was telling how horrible it was for some of those Muppet performers to be laying on the ground. And then also how he talked about the dedication of Carol Spiney never coming out of the Big Bird costume to ruin the illusion for the kids while on set. I'm like, that was just amazing. You know, it's it's little things like that. But I guess to take a break here, because as I always like to say, we don't want to ramble too much. We're going to, you know, uh, segue here and have a little bit of a look back at all of our guests with a, a little mix here. Have some other stuff. When we come back, we're going to shift gears. So we'll be right back, all VD heads. <laughs> if I talk I gotta, too I much, tell me and I'll shut up. <laughs> Especially when it comes to Disney, I do not shut up. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I knew Skype. I knew Skype was acting up, acting too good. I knew he was gonna have to drop me eventually. It always does. So, Jonathan, are you just gonna reintro again? Hey, D heads, you're listening to Disney on Demand, a new kind of Disney show. Hi, this is Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy. Hey, this is John Morris, Andy from the Toy Story trilogy. Hi, this is Bruce Boxleitner. You may know me as Tron. Greetings from your old voice actor pal, Corey Burton. <laughs> Hello, this is Haley Mills. This is Rolly Crump, a Disney Imagineer. Hello there, Dreamfinder here. Hi, this is Don Wells, Marianne on Gilligan Valley. This is Genevieve from Disney Junior's Choo Choo Soul. Hi, this is Dave Thomas. Hi, this is Kimberly J. Brown from Halloween Town. Hey, this is Eric Kramer from Good Luck Charlie. And- hey, everybody, this is Lee Aaronburg, Grumpy from ABC's once upon a time. Hello, kitties. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. Okay, system's rolling. Testing, one, two, three. This is Jerry Reese. I've just finished eight... Eight... <laughs> Take two. <laughs> this is Jerry Reese. I've just finished a session with Jonathan on... My husband's closing the door. Hold on till he's done. Hi, this is Dina Waters from the Haunted Mansion. Hi, this is Leanna Creel, uh, formerly Tori Scott. I guess not formerly. Wait, can we do it again? <laughs> I still am. It's still going on. Oh, wait, can I start again? Hi, this is Leanna Creel, otherwise known as Tori Scott from Saved by the Bell. Hello, this is Larry Bagby, and I was Ice, or Ernie, but Ice from Hocus Pocus. Hi, this is Jerry Mathers, the Beaver from Leave it to Beaver. Hey, this is Jason Hampton, originally from the new Mickey Mouse Club. You might remember the party. Hello. This is Helen Reddy. Hi, this is Cal David, the voice of Sunny Eclipse. Hi, this is Richard Carr. Hi, this is Tom McLaughlin. Maybe you know me as Captain Star. This is Suzanne Blakesley, the voice of Lady Tremaine, Maleficent, the Evil Queen and Hag, Cruella DeVille, and Mary Poppins. Hi, I'm Robbie Benson, the author of I'm Not Dead Yet and also The Beast. Hey, you guys, it's Kristen Fairley, the voice of Little Bear and uh, from the series Road to Avonlea. Hey, everybody out there, this is Jim Cummings, and you're going, who is that guy? Well, I'm the masked voice behind... Oh, I don't know. Winnie the Pooh, Tigger Tooth, Darkwing Duck, 
and a few others. Hey, this is Danny Woodburn from Crash and Burn Scene. Hey, this is Jody Sweet. Hello, this is Bill Cobb. Hi, this is Claudia Christian. Hey, this is Beatrick Bader. Hi, everybody, this is Greg Trips. You're all pal from Whose Line Is It Anyway? This is Bruce Broughton. Uh, this is Art LaFleur. Hi, this is Eve Gordon from Honey We Shrunk Ourselves. Hi, this is Paul Candela. Hey, this is Jim Cody. Hi, this is MC Gate from... This is Ken Page, and I'm the voice of Oogie Boogie. Hi, this is April Winchell. And hey, this is Michael Leon Woolley, the voice of Lewis the Alligator. Hallelujah! Hello, this is Shanta Bell, the co-author of The Elf on the Shelf. Hey, this is Luke Edwards from Newsies. Hello, this is Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall. I was also in Lilo and Stitch, which was more fun than the Kids in the Hall, but don't tell the Kids in the Hall that. Hi, this is Mike Purcell, voice of the Tomorrowland Transit Authority. Hi, this is Katie Von Till, the current voice of Disney Snow White. Hi. Puppeteer and author Noel McNeil. This is the Apple Cool Runner. Hi, this is Bruce Reitherman. I was the voice of Mowgli in the Jungle Book. This is Raphael Sparge from Once Upon a Time. Hi, this is Alicia Grillin. You know me from High School Musical and Halloween Town. Hi. This is Susan Bennett, the original voice of Siri. Hi, I'm Stephen Anthony Lawrence. Beans from Even Steven. Hi, this is Dora Birch uh, from Hocus Pocus. Hi, this is Rob Paulson, better known to you guys as. This is Robert Keown. Hi, this is Rip Taylor. Could you be? Could you die? And you're listening to Disney On Demand. <laughs> Rip Taylor said so. Disney On Demand yourself. Hi, this is Mark Elliott. And now, our feature presentation. Hi, everybody. This is Pat Carroll. I am so glad you're listening to Disney On Demand. And as Ursula would say, life's full of tough choices. Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, keep listening to Disney On Demand.
Don't you shine it! You could soon be called your highness Put your foulest features on display Be the king of topsy-turvy day those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. See? Wow! It's Disney On Demand! Dibs! Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Okay, I'm convinced. And a little disgusted. All right, LVD heads, so we're back, and I hope you enjoyed that little bit of a look back at all of our guests, and we could spend hours upon hours, um, you know, looking back at many of these guests, and I'm just glad that the D-team didn't divulge too much towards me because, uh, you know, I, I, I could probably tell some stories that would change people's minds like crazy. But uh, with that and coming back, I couldn't let everybody off the hook. So what I have to do now is, you know, we have the music playing in the background and we're going to pass it off for a little bit of news and a little bit of WDW in two from Caitlin. But before we do that, what did you guys think of that little look back at all of our guests? Awesome. It was so fun. Oh, my gosh. It's so fun to look back at it all because there's there's so many great moments. It's hard to believe that we're already at 100 and next week will be our 100th guest. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the archives and it was like I had completely forgotten about half of the people that we'd had and I was just getting re-amazed all over again. I'm starstruck. <laughs> you know, with that, though, the music's queuing in, so I'm going to, you know, release the reins, as I say, but this time we're releasing the reins with all of us here, so no pressure with WDW in 2 live. All right. Hey, it's Caitlin, and I'm here live with WDWN2, a quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. If you're a foodie, there are plenty of things to get excited for coming to the Disney parks. The new menu items for the Epcot Flower and Garden Festival have been announced, and let me tell you, they sound amazing. Some standout new dishes include a seafood ceviche with shrimp, scallops, grouper, mango, and avocado, and a sweet yellow corn pancake, which can be found at the Botanis Botanical Outdoor Kitchen located between France and Morocco, as well as some sweeter offerings like frozen desert violet lemonade, sparkling pineapple wine, and a berry tea cocktail from the Pineapple Promenade, as well as so many others. I know I can't wait to get down to Epcot to try some of these. The Flower and Garden Festival takes place from March 4th through May 17th. 
In other Disney foodie news, a brand new Disney Parks cookbook is being released this spring called A Cooking Safari with Mickey, Recipes from Disney's Animal Kingdom Theme Park and Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. The recipes spotlight South African and Indian cuisine and include a lot of your favorite dishes from the park and resort. Big news in downtown Disney this week, the Village Causeway, a new bridge connecting the Lego store area to the Rainforest Cafe, has just opened, as well as four new shopping kiosks. You can browse flour and sugar for delicious cookies, the Florida Bath Company for specialty soaps, Icon Jewelry for customizable accessories, and Kate and Leo for toys, games, art supplies, and more. I'm loving the progress they're making with the soon-to-be Disney Springs, and can't wait to see the changes myself next time I'm in Orlando. Thanks so much for joining us this week, and don't ever forget, you can fly! <laughs> see, you can do it right there, live on the spot. See, see, you got this down pat. <laughs> and everybody was so quiet. <laughs> Oh, I was completely. I'm hungry. I'm, so I'm ready to eat. I'm, I'm like, yeah. I feel like I'm waiting for Lou Mangello to chime in when we start talking about food. I mean, come on. Right? Doesn't it sound so good? Well, and I'm heading down there in three weeks for spring break, and I'm just sitting there. I was like, oh, I have to try this. Yes. Oh, try the seafood ceviche for me. It sounds so good. I will. <laughs> Anything seafood, and I'm in. It, 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 just the way it is. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Well, you know, with that, though, now WDW2, we got it out there, everything happening this week. And, you know, like I said, we could talk about so many different things, but we don't want to lose our flair here at the show. So in looking back at 100 shows and what we do here at Diz Radio, I guess looking back at, you know, live action, animation, made for TV movies, there's so many of those out there that... We, you know, we all love, we all grew up with, and some of them that are less known that, you know, maybe you were reintroduced to as well, just from hearing it on the show yourself, so all the listeners or, you know, part of the team here, myself, you know, I look back at some of the rare shows that I loved growing up, like the new Leave it to Beaver, and Mouser Size, and the new Mickey Mouse Club, I guess, what are some of those staple TV shows that have played a part in your lives? as well as maybe some you discovered for the first time when I'm playing those really rare oddball clips that I tend to do. <laughs> oh my goodness. Just everything Toon Disney I just grew up with. I mean, DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, Bonkers, uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and then Disney Channel later with Lizzie McGuire and even Stevens. Like, those were just my entire life. I loved them. When I was a little kid, I would save up all my box tops and then send my money, my shipping and handling money, and I would get the Toon Disney, like, <laughs> cartoon figurine sets in the mail. And I remember, like, they came oh, in I had this so little, yeah, they came in this little square box, and I would get it in the mail, and I would open it up, and I would just line up all my little guys in this long line and just like marvel at them oh I loved it do you still have them? I think I do I still have quite a few probably not all but well not everybody can be a hoarder like me of Disney things from your past (laughs) (laughs) I don't know my husband would probably call me a hoarder (laughs) probably give you a run for your money on our house too (laughs) oh man Throwing back to that era, like, I mean, just like the Disney afternoon was it for me. And I actually, you guys will probably find this funny. I still have the very first issue of Disney Adventures magazine. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it has Rick amazing. Moranis on the front. <laughs> yeah, oh man, I just remember, like, 
I know it's not a TV show, but I still remember my very first Disney movie to this day, seen it in theaters, and it was Beauty and the Beast. And that's, I'm not afraid to say it being a guy, but that's actually my very favorite movie. Yes. And yes. I would say probably around that age, the first Disney show on TV that really jumped out and grabbed me was definitely the Gummy Bears. Like, I just, <laughs> oh, I wanted to go there so bad and hang out yes. with them. <laughs> and caring, faithful and friendly with stories to share. All through the forest they sing out in chorus, marching along as their song fills the air. Gummy bears, bouncy here and there and everywhere. High adventure that's beyond compare. They are the gummy bears. Magic and mystery are part of their history, along with the secret go wrong with the gummy bears i loved the gummy bears and you know with the disney afternoon i actually have that original disney afternoon cd that they released in like 89 or 90 with all the theme songs on it and it's so hard to find and uh i love it i I still play it because it has some rare songs on there you know by the bad guys and tailspin and it's just it's it's a great one um oh that's awesome yeah, I, I grew up on Magical World of Disney. I mean, that was that was our Sunday nights. You know, the family, we all sat down. We'd watch, you know, so many great movies, so many of the older movies and stuff. And that's, that's you know, that was my childhood was growing up watching that. The afternoon stuff, still being a big kid, I, I loved watching those too. But, uh, yeah, the, the Wonderful World of Disney was it for me. So I love those old movies. Oh, yeah. There was, there was nothing like Eisner walking out and be like, Hey, I didn't see her. I was finishing up some work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I, I have to agree. I loved watching, you know, all the Disney, you know, Sunday night movies. There was something special about it. And as much as people always bash Eisner, I have to say, you know, he brought that level of Walt back to the company. And 
you know, it, you know, I don't want to get into opinions on this fireside chat, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> but one of them, one of them that gets me every time is many of the people that bash Eisner really love going to the Grand Floridian or going to Hollywood Studios or Animal Kingdom. Like, did you forget the person behind all those? <laughs> it is true. It is true. <laughs> But 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 back to the TV here. You know, I, I won't get on that kind of rant because I'm not that kind of person, on air at least. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bringing down the gavel. Judge's call. <laughs> you know, it, it is funny. You know, when, you know, our team and our show is so diverse. You know, you know, Caitlin, you're talking about you know watching Lizzie McGuire and that. But myself, when I think Disney Channel, I'm thinking back to the days of. Vault Disney and the old Mickey Mouse Club reruns at 10 o'clock at night and you know to me that just brings back so much watching Still the Beaver uh, every week uh, on the Disney Channel and uh, you know those to me are just huge memories that I still to this day if I could if I find video cassettes or anything from these you know I found a mouser sized video cassette at a Goodwill I bought it I am like I'm just gonna buy it just because <laughs> oh the mouser size I found a DuckTales videotape um, at a garage sale at one point, and they were selling it for a quarter. I was like, "Okay, this is this is mine. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is happening." I I didn't um, grow up so much on DuckTales and Tailspin. Um, we didn't have Toon Disney. We had the Disney Channel, but we didn't have Toon Disney. We had a videotape of Tailspin. I remember, and that uh, those two episodes on that videotape. That was really all I knew of them. Um, and we got Toon Disney later on, and that's when I um, really fell in love with DuckTales and Tailspin. I grew up with uh, with Playhouse Disney, with uh, with Bear in the Big Blue House, and PB and J Otter, and uh, Rolly Polioli. Those three were the staples for me and my sister when we were growing up. <laughs> and then when we uh, when we switched over to more of the Disney Channel, uh, it was Lizzie McGuire and uh, uh, Sister Sister. And uh, Kim, Kim Possible, that oh, was yes. the show in oh, my I house. I love Kim Possible. We <laughs> all sat down and watched uh, watched the graduation episode. All four of us, we we really enjoyed that show, and we spent an entire day in Epcot doing the World Showcase adventure when it was Kim Possible. <laughs> yeah, such a good show. Well, you know, and, and and I love even the newer shows. You know, like uh, I know Aaron's with me on this, but Gravity Falls, I I love that show. Oh, 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 I love that show. <laughs> I, I could spend hours talking about that show and then also figuring out all four of the ciphers they use for the codes at the end. And, you know, it, uh, that show is fantastic. So, you know, it, it's never truly left our system, <laughs> even to this day. I mean. Oh, no. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, that would probably be a pretty good experience at the parks eventually at some point, too. If they had like an experience you could do with that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A first in line. Oh, yeah. Mystery Shack, you know, uncover the parks. That would be awesome. Now, now with the shows, you know, bringing it back, you know, one uh, I forgot which one of you said that. I think it was Nathan talking about Full House and that era way back when. That makes me think of like Girl Meets World and getting back to that now. Of course, you say everybody so can start talking about everybody silent, silently. <laughs> the 90s, Full House, Boy Meets World, and how it's segued into Girl Meets World now. That's what happens when I, I see I was releasing the reins and it went dead. 
Alright. <laughs> Alright, so let me get it back into that. Alright. So, and getting into, like, Girl Meets World and, you know, Boy Meets World and getting back to Full House and that, you know, ABC lineup, it really has that wholesome feel. And it's the kind of show where, you know, here I am, you know, almost 40 years old, and I sit down and watch Girl Meets World now. I think it's it's wholesome TV. Now, has everybody else had a chance to watch that? Oh, yeah, yeah we, we watch it all the time. I would say that I have, <laughs> I probably haven't as much as everybody else. I never have time to watch TV. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Blaming your studies, that's not fair. Oh, God, I am taking 19 credit hours this semester. I think I can blame my studies on that one. <laughs> All I can say is thank goodness for DVR. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> and online on demand. <laughs> now, now with, with shows like that, like Girl Meets World and, um, you know, Full House, and looking back at many of those and all the different generations, has there ever been a part on the show where, you know, whether that's Caitlin, Nathan, Paige, Aaron, any of you, where, you know, we've played something that was kind of off-ball, uh, off-topic, off-the-wall, something different where you're, you just didn't know where it was from, or introduced you to something that you ended up watching later? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are clips from things that you play that I've never heard sometimes and, and like, have to go and figure out what movie they were from. I mean, yeah, there is just so many old live-action movies that, I mean, you're throwing new things at me all the time. I agree. <laughs> you play stuff that I go, I, I remember that. It's, I hadn't heard it since <laughs> I was a kid, but I remember it. I was going to say, we tend to play some really rare, oddball stuff sometimes. Well, you know, and, and with that, I guess, you know, uh, looking back at our guests, it's our show 100 and these these clips and these uh, things that are different, um, you know, because I love to tuss things out at you guys. You know that. But, uh, you know, has there ever been a guest where you only knew him for one thing and then I'm rambling on something completely different? You're like, they were in what? And did you ever go back and watch it? Oh, definitely, all the time. Uh, and I can't even nail it down to one guest. I'll think, oh, yeah, they did this. And then you'll start listing off all these things, and I'll either, I'll, they're either things I've never heard of or they're things that, that, I've, um, that I've always watched, and that's when I realize that I actually know the person from more than one production. Well, you know, and with that, too, you know, getting into the, the movies and the guests and things like that, that's going to bring me to uh, the parks. And I'm just going to give a little hint here at the parks right now in the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. And to me, that is, it's awesome. You know, you have Twilight Zone, Rod Serling, uh, you know, I guess, uh, what do you guys think of that attraction? Because I think it's fantastic. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm gearing up towards our guest that's coming on here very shortly. So what do you guys think of that attraction? And the movie, of course. Oh, I absolutely love that attraction. Yeah, I don't know oh, how, but definitely. somehow my, my seven-year-old son at the time convinced my wife to get on it. Said, oh, mom, it's not too bad. I, I enjoy it. It's cool up and down. <laughs> I, I spent the whole time looking at her, the look of terror on her face from going flying up and down that thing like we were. It was yeah. Oh, it's so great. It's like every time you ride it, it's brand new. It's gonna be. That's that's oh, how it yeah. feels. I love that feeling. I was going to say, with that, how many, how many of you have ever sat down and watched all the Twilight Zones, too? Oh, goodness, not all of them, but a lot. We have some on DVD, and uh, I think on New Year's Day they played a marathon, and I kind of stayed up late watching some episodes, but there's so many, so many Twilight Zone episodes, I've never been able to get through them all, but it's such a good show. 
I agree. I uh, we watched a couple of them in um, in some of my old classes uh, in middle school, and then I've watched some on my own. And I, mean, I always remember William Shatner's uh, with something on the wing, or um, somebody gets yes. locked into a bank vault, and then he comes out, and he's the only person left. <laughs> and I, it, it's, they're so fascinating. They uh, they just they they make you think. Uh, are just all these different things. Everything comes to mind when you're when you're watching one. I do love the movie too. I was going to say, what do you think of the movie? Because it is, it is a. I don't want to say cheesy, but it is because anything with Steve Gutenberg is cheesy, anyways. But yeah, but cheesy in a great like throwback '90s way. Like the cheesy, you have to love, right? <laughs> De- definitely. I mean, and it is just a fun, a fun film. Um, you know, and, and with that, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll break away here because we have, uh, you know, we have none other than Mark Silverman, who is the voice of Rod Serling in the attraction. He's the one that, you know, voiced Rod Serling for the Tower of Terror. So we're going to break away here, team. Take a minute. Everybody can wait in the wings. And uh, I'm going to have Mark here shortly to give us some stories about the Tower of Terror being Rod Serling. And we're all going to reconvene from this fireside chat because I'm not through with all of you. I think I have a couple of questions that I wanted to throw at all of you that I've been holding off until it gets later in the show. It kept seeming like everyone was gone and I thought we kept losing the call. It was really awkward. Why didn't anybody have anything to say about that? Oh, I yes. finally figured out how to get my microphone switched over instead of the one at... I was walking outside, like, holding it up to the sky, like... <laughs> Hello? <laughs> the second part of the show is going to be intense, so I wanted HD Nathan to be on here. Stressed envelope to Davis and Kurt. Right down that. Picture, if you will, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, but with a difference. Prepare yourself for a thrilling new climax that's faster, longer, and more terrifying than ever before. Because nothing's ever the way you expect it in the Twilight Zone. Challenge the new Tower of Terror only at the Disney MGM Studios.
Sunset Boulevard, the past lives here. In the studio sound stages and movie palaces, in the stately mansions of movie land royalty, a glittering ribbon of dreams, a fantasy of light and shadow. Yes, Hollywood has its dark side too. Consider the Hollywood Tower Hotel, a legendary fallen star. Its elegant silhouette casts a shadow that stretches to us across the generations. What dark secrets lie beyond its doors, in the dusty hallways, the empty rooms? You'll soon know, for we're all about to enter. The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, one of those is when you venture into the parks. And with us here this week is somebody who's no stranger to voice acting, voiceover work, but you may also know him as Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror as the voiceover actor who portrayed that iconic role for the attraction. We have none other than voice actor... Uh, man, I guess, of many different uh, talents. We have none other than Mark Silverman here with us. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Well, hello, my friend. <laughs> well, it is our pleasure having you on. I mean, somebody, you know, you have a great resume, you know, voice actor veteran, so many different things. I guess jumping right into it first, instead of uh, jumping into Disney right away, I guess what got you into voice acting and following that career path? Well... I started to watch a lot of TV, and I was very interested in a show called Get Smart, and I used to do an impression of him. I don't even know if you know. Do you know who that is? It was Don Adams. And when I was a kid, it was very popular, and he would walk around going, Would you believe I'm Maxwell Sporty Gen 86 of Control? And he was also a lot of cartoon characters. He was Tennessee Tuxedo and all that, you know, that kind of thing. And I found out that I did a really good impression of that, and it impressed a lot of people. And I just said, well, if I could do that, I'll try this. Then when I was 12, Rocky came out. And for about the entire year, I would walk around going, hey, yo, how you doing? Just me, Rocky Balboa, you know? I can't see nothing got open my eye. And I just started talking like that for like for like a year, you know, and I said, wow, maybe something will happen with this eventually. <laughs> well, you know, and, and now your career path has been set, you know, in doing voice acting and doing, you know, many of these impersonations. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of other impersonations that I'm sure uh, I, I'll touch base upon later. But, of course, you know, the one thing that uh, many of the Disney fans know is the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. And, you know, speaking with yourself, the man who's behind the voice of Rod Serling, person who did the body double of Rod Serling on that attraction, uh, Robert Ryan. But you are the voice. You are the man. You're the one that adds that little bit of, I, I guess, intrigue. Let me ask you, where do you see a body double in the attraction? When you see the TV, it's actually Rod Serling with my voice coming out of Rod Serling. There's no body double anywhere. No, I know what happened. They they tried at first for one little moment in the attraction to have a body double mouth my dialogue at the very end. And I think they were toying with that in the beginning pre-show. But they decided to go with a, a real clip of Rod Serling. And they didn't. They, when, the, when the ride opened, they didn't use that clip of any body double. 
Yes, yes. He did the he did the test and they tested him out, but that was the it. When the ride opened, none of that footage of him was used. And now it's only you. That's the that's that's the big part there because you know you do such a spot on impersonation of Rod Serling, and you know it, I mean you would think that they just spliced together a bunch of audio from him. How did you land that role? Well, one of the interesting things about that is my normal speaking voice wasn't that much different than his. And that sort of ran in my family. My father probably could have done it as well. So I, I always was a Twilight Zone fanatic as a kid. So I had a, I didn't really do an impression that much when I was a kid. But when this job came up, I, but when the audition came up, I really started, you know, only like, an, this sounds ridiculous, but in the car driving to the audition, I started practicing. And then when I got to the audition, I simply read it. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. And I started going into the whole thing. And I didn't really think much about it. But when I did it, the agent that recorded it really was impressed and excited. And, you know, these jobs are so hard to get. And after a few weeks, I didn't hear anything. So I just thought, ah, you know, nothing's going to happen with that. And then the phone rang, and the agent said, now they want to see you at Imagineering. They liked it. So I got very excited because I was a big Disney fanatic, too. So I got to go to Imagineering, which is really kind of neat. So I kept every time I auditioned, it got smaller and smaller until I finally got the job. Well, you know, and getting that job, too, I guess, you know, and having it, you know, narrowed down like that. Did it ever get down to just one, you know, you and one other person? And that was the deciding factor. There actually was. Yeah, there was one big last audition between me and one other guy at Imagineering. And Joe Dante was there, who is is a director and put the pre-show together and he was the deciding factor in it, along with Carol Serling, who listened to recordings of it. And she chose me out of the top ten. And then, God, it sounds like American Idol, this whole thing. And then, finally, <laughs> I got the job at the end, you know. But she was a big part of it. She had to listen to all of them. Well, you know, and, and the thing is, where she just is the deciding factor, she knows who is spot on for her husband. So, you know, it's it goes to show... You know, like you said, it's not much from your voice, but it is so spot on that many people probably think that it's spliced together from a variety of different things from his dialogue, but it was all you. Yes, that's what I I mean. I hope that's what they think. And I I try, you know, there's a real trick to doing a sound-alike impression and not sounding like you're doing an impression. Whereas a lot of comedians over the years, when they do Rod Serling, they do it very, they overdo it like this. But I had a, an extremely natural approach to it. I didn't want to do anything that sounded comedic or anything. I just wanted to sound like a real man that would speak like that. And it came off really well. I was happy with how it worked, and it was very exciting to be part of that whole thing. Well, and that attraction, you know, it was one of those flagship attractions that ended up changing the face of, you know, MGM Studios at the time because it was completely different kind of park. And that attraction kind of added the scream factor, that thrill, that that uh, mystery that many of the Twilight Zone episodes did. Now, you know, were you aware of the scope of this attraction and how much impact it would have? Absolutely not, because they showed me drawings of it while I was doing it, and I had a vague idea of what it would be like. But when I got to Orlando for the grand opening and saw it, 
for the first time from the bus coming into the studios, it was really one of those moments. You know, I mean, I it was just jaw drop stunning to actually see this thing, and it was. I mean, this thing's bigger than the Matterhorn, you know. So that was really an exciting surprise. Definitely. You know, and with today's generation, too, Twilight Zone is one of those, I, I guess the name is out there, where everybody knows from generations. I mean, even younger younger generations, they're aware that Twilight Zone means something spooky. And with this attraction and it holding up for so many years, I mean, uh, you know, you did the voice of Rod Serling. You were, what, 28, 29 at the time? So this attraction has been around for some time. That's right. I, You know... One of the things that's really great is a lot of kids that don't know Twilight Zone so well, they're introduced to it by the ride. So then they want to see it and they'll find it on Sci-Fi Channel or MeTV or something. And I love that the ride introduces them to that because it's such a great show and I still watch it and love it. Well, you know, and looking at this attraction too, aside from, uh, you know, your partake in it, is there one part of the attraction that is your absolute favorite other than, you know, you being able to be Rod? Yeah, I like the uh, fifth dimension where the elevator goes forward through the fifth dimension. And you see eyeballs and things. I think that's just the most bizarre, greatest thing the Imagineers have ever done, really, because there's no fifth dimension to, that even exists anywhere. And they had to just invent that. And it's so wonderful and weird that the elevator would leave the drop shaft and walk forward is unexpected. And that's the only Tower of Terror that does that, the Florida version. Well, you know, and with the Tower of Terror and the parks, you know, you are now part of a legacy that is introduced to so many people. I mean, if it's one thing that many Disney fans have, it is their affinity for the parks, you know, whether that's, you know, Country Bear Jamboree, the Hall of Presidents, having, you know, the tram with Corey Burton and many other people. I mean, it is, you know, you're now part of this uh, voice actor panel that is synonymous with the parks. I guess, uh, how does it feel knowing that you're part of this legacy that, you know, thousands and thousands of people experience every single day? Well, let me tell you, I when I was a kid, I would bring a little tape recorder into Disneyland just to record the rides. And I would make, I had boxes of Pirates of the Caribbean cassettes, and I would label them with each with each pirate that was on them and what they, who sounded the loudest. And I, I had such an idea, and I was so excited and happy to do this because I was such a Disney fan anyway. And I had every voice recorded from when I was a kid, you know. So to actually grow up and be the voice of a ride, it was so perfect. It was like its own Twilight Zone. Right. Now, you know, and like you said, recording many of that, I mean, many of us Disney fans out there, we are, you know, you know, we are fanatics like that as well. You know, you love listening to the audio from the attractions and uh, just really, you know, reliving that. And now you're part of that and, you know, and part of that in the parks. Now, you know, aside from Disney, uh, you also do a ton of other voice uh, voice work, you know, Howl's Moving Castle, Robots, uh, you know, many other roles. I guess, how different is it to shift into different characters for many of these roles? And are there any, uh, I guess, non-Disney roles that have been your favorite? Well, it's it's fairly easy to get into the different characters. But as far as a non-Disney thing, um... I guess I, I mean, all the Disney jobs are my favorites, but I've done other jobs that are really kind of interesting. Like they brought me in once to revoice Al Pacino for a movie because they were putting the movie on TV, but it had a lot of curse words. So I had to repeat the lines like Al Pacino, but substitute the bad words for, you know, more friendly words. So that I liked. 
So I've done a lot of stuff like that. Like um, I went into the studio two years ago into Warner Brothers, and I had to revoice Sylvester Stallone when he would say something dirty, you know. So I've revoiced a lot of people. But the Disney jobs are by by far my favorite. <laughs> Well, you know, and revoicing a lot of people and doing these uh, overdubs like that, um, you know, and like you said, Disney is your favorite. You also, you know, did a, a voiceover for Fred McMurray, correct? And one of my favorite long-lost Disney gems, The Happiest Millionaire. The Happiest Millionaire. I did. About, this is actually all the way back in 1997. They were, they wanted to restore the movie and make it as, you know, the movie that it was when it came out. And they found this end scene in the movie, like two end scenes, but it had no audio track. They found it in a vault. So they had to get three actors to revoice Tommy Steele, Greer Garson, and Fred McMurray. Now, when I was a kid, I watched a lot of My Three Sons. And I always uh, did a voice like Fred McMurray. I knew how to talk. I knew I knew the the way he talked, and he always sounded befuddled and had a lot of very breathy kind of a voice. Chip, Robbie, and Ernie, Uncle Charlie. And when this audition came up, it was actually the only audition I've ever had where I knew I was going to get the job because I just didn't think there was anybody as a kid that grew up uh, talking like Fred McMurray. And then, like, two days after the audition, the phone rang, and there I was at Disney Studios doing the voice of Fred McMurray. So the last two scenes of that movie, I'm the voice of Fred McMurray. But he sings a song in the scene, but that's really him. Well, you know, and that film, too, was also the, you know, one of the last films that Walt Disney was participating in, and it has so many different meetings, and now you're connected with that, you know, in so many different ways. That's another thing, that it was the last movie Walt personally supervised, and I got to help restore that and be with the Sherman brothers and all, and I that was very exciting, yes. Well, you know, and, and looking at many of these different roles, too, and doing being part of The Happiest Millionaire and being able to pass that on to generations, that's going to lead me to, you know, other Disney films. And, of course, the Tower of Terror film that was made for Disney. It was fun. It was quirky. It was just, you know, nice, I guess, Sunday night uh, I guess, family entertainment. Um, you know, did you like the way that that direction went and just like a nice Sunday, wonderful world of Disney kind of movie? Well, I would have liked it better if they used the Twilight Zone theme and had me narrate it, but that didn't go that way. And I thought it was fine, you know. I thought I think the ride is more fun, but I thought the movie was fine. I like Kirsten Dunst and Steve Gutenberg. I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a typical fun, like I said, a, a nice you know Sunday night family movie. But you know, I would have liked to see it be a, a little bit spookier, a little bit scarier, uh, you know, and have that narration by Rod Serling. You know, being you, of course, narrating the entire film would have been uh, having that overlay. It would have added that that connectivity. Hey, hey, they st they still sell the movie at Target. You know, in, in voice acting and so many different things you've done, like you said, you know, you you've you know overdubbed people, you've uh, done Disney attractions. Are there any other people that you work alongside with many times that you just are in awe at their talent as well? Corey Burton and Bill Farmer, I work with those guys, and uh, they're both absolutely fantastic and they're friends of mine and i like them as friends and as amazing voice talents as well <laughs> yes Corey is uh he he is a man of a thousand voices he has been on this show twice and he I, he has so many stories it is amazing sometimes i know that i i worked on bambi uh dvds with him uh, first of all on, on the bambi dvds i got to narrate things as the voice of friend owl 
who uh, <laughs> really sounds like an old geezer, you know, Bambi. Looks like you got yourself a new set of antlers. <laughs> and so that was incredible to play a Disney character like that. But when I worked with Corey, there's a, a track on the DVD where you can hear all the animators talking about the making of the movie. And we, you know, Walt was smart enough to record all those story meetings. So actually, it's all written out like a script, and we, every actor in the room, Bill Farmer, myself, and other actors, will be different animators reading these different uh, ideas and comments that they really had when Bambi was being made. And Corey Burton is the voice of Walt Disney, and he guides the meeting, and then we we go through a track where we cough and rustle paper, and then that's laid over the background. So when you hear this back playing with the movie... It sounds like an actual 1940 story meeting at Walt Disney Studios. Well, you know, and those are the kind of things, too, where it, you brought it to life once again, you know, bringing something to life and introducing it to a whole new generation. That's right. The, yeah, there's, there's a real trick to making it sound authentic. And I think we did a really good job. We did that also with Lady and the Tramp. And we also did it with Pinocchio, which is my favorite Disney animated picture. Well, you know, and in working with uh, doing a lot of these roles and, you know, bringing things to life and making it seem authentic, of course, that's going to bring me to, you know, being in the studio and recording. Are there any memorable moments, uh, you know, off air or off recording that are just true great stories that still make you laugh that you'll take to your grave today? I do. I, I remember once when I was doing Tower of Terror, my voice was a little dry. So uh, the casting woman brought me a green apple. And I remember eating it with the sensitive microphone right there and all the Imagineers pulling their headphones off because I was crunching this apple right in their ears. And that was, that was funny. <laughs> I, I remember. But, you know, what was really amazing was being at Imagineering and doing pirate voices for various parks and, you know, being a kid obsessed with Disneyland and Pirates of the Caribbean to stand in Walt Disney Imagineering in front of a microphone and get to do pirate voices, it was an incredible incredible dream come true definitely well you know i guess and with you know with doing voices and dreams coming true like that you know it's kind of full circle you grew up loving disney you know and then coming back and doing many of these things that are in the parks and being part of this legacy i guess is there any uh, other company out there that you would love to be a part of if they revive something like rankin bass or some some stop motion holiday special oh god i'd love i'd love to work with rankin bass have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I love that stuff. That would be great to be part of that. How about, um, nobody wants to play with the Charlie in the box. I'd love to do that stuff. If anything came up like that, I would be there. That's what they need. They need, you know, to bring back to life a great stop-motion holiday special under the banner of Rankin Bass. I know. That would be great. That would be <laughs> wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Well, maybe a, a Twilight Zone stop motion holiday special for Halloween. Uh, that would be great. Well, that, you could, uh, that's an idea. Yeah. A, ve a very <laughs> special Christmas from the Twilight Zone. Yeah, that would be great. Wow, what an idea. Well, you know, it's been great having you stop in and chat with us here and, you know, all of our listeners out there. I guess for any anyone listening out there, I guess, uh, one, you know, do you have any final words from Mark? And two, I guess, uh, you know, what, do you have any advice for anybody who also wants to go out there and follow their dreams, whether that's voice acting, animation, uh, you know, being an architect? Yes, th this is going to sound very corny, and, and people will probably hear this and don't take it seriously, but it's actually true, and you should. Practice, 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 practice. All 
I mean, I grew up just with a tape recorder, just doing voices constantly. You got to be obsessed with it and just and love it. That's the other thing. You have to think that it's so much fun and you just love doing it. I stand in my kitchen while I'm making my toast and just go through the entire Tower of Terror dialogue, or I'll do scenes from Rocky, or there, I'll just do all the different scenes from Pirates of the Caribbean, says I. And I'll, because I love it. And that is really the key. Because if you don't love it, you're not going to want to practice and keep with it. So that's a very important part of it. Definitely. Well, you know, it was our pleasure having you stop in, Mark, take that time out of your schedule. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing your voice in many other places and many things upcoming. But of course, anyone always heading down to see the Tower of Terror, you know, they're always going to be able to, you know, see Rod Serling, but hear your voice. So thanks once again for stopping in. Well, thank you. I had a pleasure, and I look forward to doing it well, again. Well, now, ain't this an elegant neighborhood? All the residents dress so fine. One day off the boat am I with a job that's nearly mine. Tis a job with an elegant millionaire and his elegant family. Today I move from immigrant to high society. Now you may call that luck, and you may call it fortune, but me, myself, I call it fortuosity. That's me by word. Fortuosity, me, a twinkle in the eye word. Sometimes castles fall to the ground, but that's a wherefore. Clovers abound Fortuosity Lucky chances Fortuitious little Happy happenstances I don't worry Cause everywhere I see That every bit of life Is lit by fortuosity
All right, all of your D-heads, so we're back once again. And, you know, thank you, Mark, for stopping in and talking about Tower of Terror. How awesome is that? But that's going to segue into, you know, we were talking about the parks and the attractions and all those fun things. And there's many things that I loved about Disney back in the day. And I'm sure some of you might recall this. And, of course, Aaron with I Want to Know, um, you know, River Country and the Disney Village. And, you know, with I Want to Know and getting back to some of the segments that you guys do as the team over the last hundred episodes here, you know, Aaron, has there already been any questions? that really stick out to you or some where you know you really had to delve into your research and it caught you off guard well you know the the d has just constantly come with great questions you know stuff that i can remember a little bit of but i have to do more research on but you know i remember having a question about a muppet family christmas and i hadn't thought about that you know since i was a kid so it was really fun to go back and see some videos on youtube and and uh just, just learn more about it and kind of relive it. And, uh, you know, then someone I remember asking me some questions about, uh, oh, about the movie Gus and, of course, the Apple Dumpling Gang. And I'm a huge Don Knotts fan. And uh, so, you know, that, that was really fun. Always enjoyed, you know, reliving those old movies. Well, you know, and with those questions, too, you know, like you said, you have to do some research because there are some times when, you know, it'll be 11 o'clock at night and I'm laying in bed and all of a sudden my email pops up and you're like, hey, what do you think about this question? And I'm like, wait, what? You know, I'm trying to read it with my eyes half open. <laughs> you know, in, in researching some of these, have there been somewhere after you researched it, you kind of learned something new yourself, too? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I like to think I know quite a bit about Disney, but, you know, I get into these questions and start, and, you know, I was like, wow, I didn't know that. Or there's, I always love to find that one interesting fact, you know, it's like, you know, I bet you guys didn't know this about it. And that's that's really fun now now i guess in with with i want to know too and coming on board and you know answering all these questions too you know i i can only foresee at some point you're going to get to that point where it's really going to stump you and, and something hard is along the way so you know i'll toss a question out there and i you know i, I want an answer on the next i want to know okay so show number 101 take note here i want i want to know when was the disney village conceived when was it built, and what was the first shop? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to look into that because I don't remember, but yeah. Well, you know, in, so, in some of the younger team here, you guys may not remember the Disney Village, and the Disney Village was the precursor to Downtown Disney. Yep. I've seen pictures, but yeah, yeah, that's about it. I remember going to the Disney Village, and it, it was amazing. You know, we'd be like, wow, we're at this Disney store and we're still at Disney World. How can this be? And it was like hidden and there was a bunch of trees and it was, there's nothing there. It was like a tiny back road that, that led you there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome officially to the Magic Kingdom Park. And if you don't have your own family, you can adopt one. Anyone. It's the place where absolute fantasy reigns. The place where Disney characters come to life, elephants fly, princesses are real, and pirates playfully pillage. The curse of the Black Pearl. It's the place you might call the heart of the Disney experience. And as far as the happiest celebration on Earth is concerned, it's the place where the magical festivities have only just begun. Folks, I'm sorry, do you mind taking a picture? Sure. Do you mind? Oh, that'd be great. Um, Take a picture? You got a camera? <laughs> yeah. I'll give you my email address and you can email it to me. Introducing Cinderella Bration, inspired by Tokyo Disneyland Park and brought in just for the big soiree. 
Cinderella arrives in grand style with Prince Charming, and then this fantastic coronation pageant takes you to that magical moment when Cinderella herself becomes a princess. It's definitely, definitely on my list for large groups. So, uh, I've got a date with a mischievous little alien. I'll see you guys in a little bit. I hope. Now, I guess, uh, you know, with music, music plays a big part. And all show long, we've been playing music. And uh, always, the music, the segues, and I always love to toss out different music, whether that's classic or something new, something completely different. You know, come on, we played Tiki Bird Macarena here on the show, right? So uh, I, I guess that's, that's going to leave me off the page. And, and the magical music review, I guess, looking back at, at doing some of that, I guess, how has the Disney music played a part in your life? And of course, I'm going to go through everybody here and talk about the music too, but let's start it off with Paige. Well, I mean, music's been a part of my life um, since I was really little with um, even just the going to sing a song in class and um i really started um i mean i was always listening to disney music um whenever we were in the car and uh it was my turn to pick the cd it was one of the classic disney cds or it was whichever movie i had just watched and i really started paying attention to what came into the music probably around when I was in fifth grade that's when I started band and when I started really getting an appreciation for the instrumental music and uh, and the background tracks in the songs with lyrics and it's just it's a way for me to uh, just to un- unwind and relax a lot I love just being able to listen to music or to go play music and I've got plenty of the Disney songbooks for my clarinet and stuff like that so I mean, it's just always been somewhere that I can go and just sit and remember all these great memories. And of course, I have my favorite composers from Disney and stuff like that. So it's just it's just something fun. Now, I guess with the music too, you must really enjoy when we have like guests like Bruce Boten on and things like that too. Then where we have these composers on that have made memorable music. Oh yes, absolutely. I I love. Um, I love having like the music connection with the show with the guest star because then uh, getting to really dig deep into their work it, it fascinates me. Now, now with the music, I'm going to go through everybody here too, you know, and and let's uh, I guess let's go to Nathan here since you know you were dropping calls left and right and had to get here in HD and you know always the late comer, but I guess that's the nature of your segment. You're always looking back, so. <laughs> 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 I, I had to parachute in just to get back here. <laughs> I guess with that, I guess, you know, when you look at Disney music, what's some of the memorable music that I guess rings out to you, whether that's the park or the movies or TV shows, I guess, what are some of them that really connect with you? Well, um, I mean, that's another loaded question. Uh, I mean, earlier on I was talking about, you know, the very first uh, Disney movie that I ever saw in theaters as a kid was um, Beauty and the Beast. And, I mean, I had seen Disney films that were already pre-released prior to that, of course. So, you know, they all stuck out in me in different musical ways. But that was really the first one that just, like, all of it really clicked. And it was, (laughs) I mean, just flat-out awesome, you know? Um, But as I've, you know, grown older and, you know, family of my own and everything like that, there's just been so many Disney things over the years. I mean, when we go Disney World, I find myself just... I got a long commute to work and back. It's about an hour, hour and a half each way, and I get a lot of me time in. So, I mean, if I'm in the worst mood, it's just anything from 
listening to the soundtrack for Wishes or Illuminations or just anything classic Disney, the old animation, um, live action Disney movies. There's there's nothing like just listening to some music from oh, the Happiest Millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Fortuosity. It just it, you know it just any of the. It, I really can't narrow it down. It's just so broad. I actually did a. I had a music appreciation class in college, and they gave us an option to, you know, we had to write about just a piece of music that spoke to us, and I went with Illuminations, and I just described every corner of the entire show, the the sound, the theme, the, the impact you get when you're there, you know, and it just, <laughs> I ended up getting like a, I think like a 95 on the paper. I guess five, 5% of him wasn't a, bit, a big Disney fan. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it just, um, I mean, it all speaks to you. I, I, I don't really think it would be doing it justice to narrow it down to, oh, this is my favorite or, or this is the one that speaks to me most because that's, I mean, that's the great thing about Disney and other just music, period. It, it all has its own story, and you can't really narrow it down to one corner. Definitely, you know, and for me, you know, it's it's kind of different facets, you know. For me, as a child, it was, I loved the music from the parks. You know, there was things that brought me back to certain attractions and certain feelings. But I also love the music that connected me to the movies, whether that's the score or uh, just the lyrics to certain songs. And now I find myself finding those very important as a father now to pass on to my kids. So now it's, you know, I want them to love the Aristocats as much as I loved the Aristocats. And I want them to know these songs where they look back and it brings them back to, you know, that time when we all sat in the living room watching these. And to me, those are, the music plays such a big part on that aspect of it. You know, there's something about musical scores and uh you know these kind of songs that just bring you back to that time you know it's you know you you talk about beauty and the beast it's like okay well i listened to it i remember seeing it in theaters and that was the movie that i was like all right i'm gonna be an animator and i think back to that and then now i play with my kids and they are like oh you know my daughter's eight and she's like remember when we watched beauty and the beast in the backyard that one time you know it's the same thing it means so many different things to different people i guess with that you know because i don't want to ramble here i'm going to pass it off to to i guess let's pass it off to aaron now and a little bit about uh, yours so you know your musical influences here well you know like i said a lot of mine does go back to the park i growing up i grew up in california and disneyland was an hour and a half from my house so I went there more times than I can remember and, you know, the Frontierland music and the music from Tomorrowland, you know, all those loops and stuff, it's just, you know, it, it takes, still takes me back there. I can remember things from, you know, my childhood going there and, you know, the, the great old Disney movie tunes, you know, like, uh, for some reason popped in my head, I was kind of humming the, the, the theme from Herbie, you know, <laughs> love that movie, you know, I don't know why it popped in my head now, but... You know, those, it's just it's just amazing how those songs take you back. I mean, well, you know, and with Herbie too. You know, our last guest Ryan Ritchie, he was talking about how they were watching Herbie in school. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of school he went to, but I would have loved a school that had an assembly watching Herbie. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, here we go. This this will show my age. I remember going to see Disney movies at the drive-in. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not far behind you, so I, I do recall a couple of those as well, especially the re-releases that were like, uh, you know, you'd have E.T., something new, playing with, you know, uh, uh, Robin Hood, you know? <laughs> I remember seeing Bambi, Bambi in the drive-in. Yeah. yeah. We still actually have a drive-in near where I live here, uh, near St. Louis, and 
I mean, we've seen so many Disney movies there. I mean, it's newer stuff. We saw, like, I believe it was Cars 2 there, and, um, I mean, a bunch of other animated movies, but, man, there's just nothing like sitting out there. They still have, like, the old playground and everything like that, so we go to the playground oh, before in the concession We have one here in Fayetteville, too. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, now you can choose the radio cool. to listen to the sound, so you don't have to worry about the old box speaker. <laughs> <laughs> that can get pretty loud based on whose car is there. <laughs> exactly. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Walt Disney. Thank you, Garko. In this exciting age when everyone seems to be talking about the future possibilities of space travel, there's much speculation on what we will discover when we visit other worlds. Will we find planets with only a low form of vegetable life? Or will there be mechanical robots controlled by superintelligent beings? One of the most fascinating fields of modern science deals with the possibility of life on other planets. This is our story. Through the years, there have been frequent rumors that Martians disguised as Earthmen walk amongst us. Well, you know, and pushing that then, I guess I'm going to go to Caitlin because you're the last person we haven't touched on on music here. Uh, You know, music for you because, you know, you do love the parks and everyone always talks about the parks. But I guess, you know, uh, looking at it, I guess, what's influencing you? Yeah, I mean, music has always always been a huge part of my life as well and I think the consensus that we're coming to is that music and memories go hand in hand so I can look back on my life and just correspond these times of my life to different Disney songs or soundtracks Um, you know the first songs I remember singing as a toddler were with Ariel from The Little Mermaid and then you know in high school I got the chance to play Belle in Beauty and the Beast uh, my junior year and you know that was just a dream come true so when I look back on high school you know I, I am flooded with all these memories of Beauty and the Beast the musical and uh, and that being my favorite Disney movie as well. Just um, so many of those songs tug at my heartstrings. And, you know, any time that I have an interview or I feel like I need to just tackle something big and accomplish something, I always have listened to Illuminations because I feel like that music just makes you feel like you can do anything. And it, it just it just tugs on you, you know? You just feel it in your heart. And uh, probably the one of the biggest things uh, to me to be able to relate to music is uh, my wedding. Um, Caleb and I got married in 2012, and the music was so important to me because I wanted it to be Disney, but I didn't want it to be really overtly Disney. So it was all piano. But I, I was so careful about the songs that I was choosing, and I, I really just wanted it to be beautiful and for it to be not that everyone would sit there and think, oh, this is a Disney wedding. She's, these are Disney songs. But, but that it would just be really subtle and that people would be like, I wonder, I, I think that might, be, that might be a Disney song. So we had some sort of, uh, some sort of random songs in there, I think, um, Oh, I'm blanking on what one was, but it, my parents had it in their wedding too, and it was from, uh, it was from a made for, 
or a, a live-action Disney movie back in the 70s, um, something about a father. But anyway, we had that song, and um, I walked down the aisle to um, I Can See the Light from Tangled. And so there were just so many magical musical moments um, in that day. And so, you know, I think that it's just so easy to look back on times in your life and just relate it to the music that you know and love. Definitely. You know, and the music plays such a big part, even when with TV shows, um, you know, you think back to just the theme songs for TV shows and, you know, like you said, your wedding and it's the parks and it's the memories and there's so many different things. So, you know, the music plays such a big part. And I guess, you know, with that and, and looking back at our hundred shows here and looking back at that, has there ever been any music from any of you that you've heard on here? And you're like, where the heck did he get this from? You have the most amazing collection of music. I mean, I don't think if, if I can't find something music or need to know something, I just go to you, man. You're the guru, right? I f- I feel like yes. Disney should be paying you royalties for this. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you. I envy your collection of music um, so much. There was one I remember. It was a. It was Haley Mills as Pollyanna, and it was a song called Jimmy Bean. And Pollyanna is one of the favorite movies for my sister and one of her friends. And I told her that that there was a song about Jimmy Bean. And she's like, where did he find that? I was like, I have no idea, but I will get it for you. Because <laughs> I, I even searched for it. I tried to find it on my own and I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I just like, I mean, I feel, I feel the same way. I, there's so many to narrow it down to, but... There's just some of them I listen to, and I'm like, where did he possibly dig this up from? And then after I hear it, I'm more embarrassed like I didn't know about it (laughs) after I do a little (laughs) research on it. Yes, yeah, you have this amazing album of all jazz covers of Disney songs that I love, and I had never heard any of them before, but I'm a huge jazz fan. I I sing with a jazz big band and a jazz combo, and so I just flipped when I heard the songs from that album, and um, there was another song that I had never heard before from a movie I was listening to. I was listening to a show from the archives, and it was one around election time. Uh, the Shaggy DA, maybe the <laughs> intro song from that. And oh, I, yes, I was just like, I never heard this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was fitting for election day. That's why I had to play it. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> Some of them, I even think too. I'm like, I'm like, we're we're having something pulled over our eyes. Jonathan mixes this prof- this show like a professional. He had to have gone back in time and made this segment just mess with us. I agree. Well, and sometimes you just pull out things that I haven't heard in years, but they were a huge part of my childhood. And I can remember over the summer I had the Atlantis um, when we had a uh, Claudia Christensen on the show, and I was just I had it playing, and I heard. Uh, wherever you are from uh, Pooh's Grand Adventure, The Search for Christopher Robin. And I was immediately transported back to my childhood. I haven't heard that song in quite a while. And to hear it come up on the show, I I was just amazed. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, I, one I, of, I mean, I think you have to you have to brag. We have to brag on you for a second. I think because yeah. I mean, it just totally speaks to your knowledge base. It right. for you to be pulling these things that match the themes of the show and that are so obscure sometimes. It it just amazes me, and and it 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 sparks you know memories. And again, like yeah, it's, you just get emotional. Yeah, like after my after my history segment ends, sometimes it just like I'm like, oh, there's something I talked about. That's <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> he does the same thing with my questions. I'll answer right. a question about something. It's yeah. like, whoa, there it is. I'm like, amazing. You know? It's, yeah, it really is. One that just jumped out at me that I thought of now while you guys were talking about these. <laughs> Remember Jonathan messaging me? Um, I guess it was a few weeks ago now. At this point. Uh, <laughs> He's like, you gotta watch this. It's hilarious. I'm like, five guys in a limo. What? Oh my God. And <laughs> I click it, and I'm watching it, and I'm hearing it on the show even, and I'm like, <laughs> part of it, it just sounds like this can't be real. And then I'm like, this is just one of the best things I've ever seen, hands down. <laughs> I agree. I was listening to that show, and I, I started hearing it, and I was like, wait a minute. Where can he possibly have found this? Where did this come from? Right. <laughs> But yeah, you know that. Uh, I guess that's the that's a good thing. You know, Caitlin hit the nail on the head for all the listeners out there. Is I, I you know, the main goal at the show for all of us here is we want everybody to bring back, as we say, you know, your lifetime of memories, your lifetime of Disney, and and some of that is just, just the little nuances that you know you may not re- recall now, and then all of a sudden something happens and it triggers you know that six degrees of separation and takes you back in time. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Named Jimmy Bean, greatest kid you have ever seen. Climbs a tree just to prove that he ain't afraid of nothing. Well, that boy, that Jimmy Bean, goes to swim in a lazy stream. Dives down low because he wants to show he ain't afraid of nothing. When he goes to a haunted house, street and get a great big dish of ice cream, huh? Oh. Oh, no, that's a rotten idea. She probably hates ice cream, doesn't she? Oh, probably. Who, me? Oh, no, I love it. Really? You do? 
Well, now, isn't that astounding? How'd you ever develop a taste for that awful stuff? Oh, no, really. I really do love it. I... Well, I know a wonderful place. Come on, girls. Follow old cousin Fred to the land of strawberry frappe. Unless you'd rather go down the street and have a beer. You're funny. <laughs> You know, you know, it's been good having a fireside chat here. We've had so many different things. You know, great guest with Mark Silverman stopping in here. And, uh, you know, of course, the D-team and, uh, you know, having you guys stop in. So I'm not going to, you know, keep everyone too much longer. I know it's really late here. A couple of different things. Definitely out of our element with this different kind of show. But I guess in leaving anything for the listeners out there and all the D-heads before uh, I, I kind of drive a question to each of you, what do you guys have out there for the D-heads? Well, I just I want to thank everybody for listening and they give me this great outlet for my Disney stuff. You know, my wife gets tired of me talking about it all the time, so you know, I can talk to like-minded people that, that, that like to hear it, and it saves her having to hear it all the time. So I think she appreciates them just about as much as I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just thank you so much for listening, and it's it's amazing to be able to share your love of Disney with anyone and everyone who loves it too so it's just a lot of fun i i agree um just uh, thank you all for listening and for just tuning in every week i i love being on the show i'm so thankful for the opportunity disney and music are two of the most important things in my life so the fact that i can put it together and combine the two interests every week uh it's just one of the best outlets i have yeah, I'm with uh, I'm with all you guys and and with Aaron, what he was branching off of too. Like, <laughs> I just I do not shut up about Disney. Somebody just walks up and they ask a question about it, and I just keep going and going and going. And all of a sudden, 20 minutes later, I have a two week vacation planned for him to Disney World. <laughs> and yeah, but yeah, totally. It just uh, I mean, same thing. This is a great outlet. We got to get the live meetup going one of these times at Disney World. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how we'll pull it off, but we need to pull it off somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you tell me when I need to be there, and I'll be there. <laughs> well, you know, you got you to gotta start with baby steps, and I'm sure we can make it happen. You know, I mean, we, we all try to get down there at some point, so I'm sure we can make it happen for all of our listeners. And I say it every single week. You know, I thank everybody, and of course you guys, the D-team, you know, for coming in here and doing it. And, you know, I guess we should bow our heads for a moment in silence here for the our D-team that is no longer with us, our D-team of past, and also our D-team that's part of the college program, and our D-team that's probably locked himself in the vault tonight to watch movies by himself, uh, you know, Jason there, who couldn't join us tonight. So, you know, we should have that moment of silence for all them and that, that moment of uh, D-team of the past. <laughs> <laughs> With that, I, I gotta leave the hard questions, I guess, for all of you. So I'm gonna go through each of you because this format is done on every other Disney podcast. So I figured, all right, I'm gonna cave and just do it once. Once, once only, you're gonna hear me do something the same. So I'm gonna give each of you a, a, a question and you're just gonna have to answer it. You got two seconds. No ums, it's just first thing that pops in your head. I'm, I'm, I, I haven't decided if I want it to be a trivia question or a pick something. So I think I'll go with pick something to keep it easy on you guys. So, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll, we'll start with Aaron here. So let, let's start with Aaron. Start with the old guy, okay. 
All right, and and it's gonna be a little bit different. It's 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 not gonna be your standard uh, this or that. I'm gonna break it up. Let's start with uh, let's start with Pirates of the Caribbean. And what is your favorite scene, and why? And who's your favorite pirate from that scene? It, it's gotta be Jack Sparrow. I mean, I don't even know what scene to pick. You know, usually with his, I, I think I I tell you what, I love the scene where he's. He's in that village, you know, where all the pirates go, and he comes across the, uh, you know, his his women friends there, and one <laughs> smacks him, and the other one smacks him, and just you know, the, his his drunken stupor that he has, it's it's great, it's hilarious. You know, and I almost forgot Jack Sparrow was in there, so I could have stumped you a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's gonna bring me to all right. We'll go to one of the one of the females this time. We'll go with Caitlin. All right, and I'm gonna say all right. Let's see here. All right, I have to think pretty hard because now I got to change it up a little bit from an attraction. So I'm gonna say Spectro Magic, favorite float and favorite character on that float. Oh, Spectro Magic! I love. It's my favorite parade. It was the parade the whole time I worked on Main Street, and it's the only one I remember from growing up. And uh, I, I absolutely know my favorite float is the very last one with Donald Duck on it. After everything turns from color to white light, and he just shakes his little tail feathers. Donald Duck was my first words. I literally said Donald Duck before I said mom or dad. So. <laughs> The Donald Duck float all the way. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now that's going to bring me to the history buff. All right. So we're going to go to Nathan here in the history buff. So I'm going to say, all right, not Beauty and the Beast. We're going to go Gummy Bears. Favorite Gummy Bear episode and the favorite Gummy Bear. I hear crickets. (laughs) <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I was actually grabbing my laptop charger. Sorry about that. Um, oh. oh yeah. <laughs> He's Googling, yeah. What was, was the, uh, what two was the seconds. Sorry. <laughs> Can you repeat the question? <laughs> oh, trying to buy the extra time so he can hit Google. Thanks. Oh. <laughs> I guess I'll be hearing what this is tomorrow then. (laughs) You know, I will repeat the question, but now it's a new question. (laughs) So now the new question is DuckTales the movie. Favorite scene and favorite character? Oh, man. Um, You know, actually, um, I got... No, I... I think what I think one of my favorite scenes actually. Well, I'll go with favorite character. I, I got to go with the main guy, Scrooge. He just I, I always loved him as a character growing up, and I mean the movie was no different. He just he, he was just such a hardcore guy, but he you know like the love for his nephews and everything, and and the love for money was just always this this torn battle, you know. And uh, but I would say probably my favorite scene in that movie was when they're actually in. Uh, I believe it was the lamp room and they're in the huge shell <laughs> trying to get across to it. Just, I mean, that entire room, it, it shouted Indiana DuckTales to me, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I remember every time that scene came on, it just, it's what really hit me. And, uh, and I was glued to the TV watching that one scene, just wishing I could live that. 
Well, now that leaves the final one here. We got Paige. So because she's a music buff, I'm going to go completely opposite. And I'm going to say, let's see here. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with a Disney television show. Well, we'll do that. We'll do Disney television show. And hopefully you've seen it. But we're going to say, all right, we'll, we'll keep it modern. Let's do Lizzie McGuire, favorite episode, and favorite character. Oh, well, favorite character is definitely Lizzie. Uh, just all of her, all about the character, her, her spunk, and, um, and how sweet she was. Um, I guess the episode that sticks out to me the most, I remember she saw this really cute pair of jeans. I remember, and she she wanted to have like she wanted to be best dressed in the yearbook. That's what it was, and she was going to buy these jeans, but then she was going to return them because they were so expensive. And before the best dress nominations even happened, somebody spills this <laughs> like red drink all over them, and so I mean I that's that's honestly that's the episode that I remember the most (laughs) I mean and it's Lizzie and you can imagine where it went from there (laughs) well you know I I can relate you know I buy all those fancy jeans and take them back to the store every week (laughs) (laughs) well it was just one of those where I'm like I'm hearing her speak all this logic to Miranda I was like how would that be allowed you wore them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and speaking of Hillary Duff, too, she's on a new TV series that's completely off the wall as well. So uh, I won't talk about that yet because I'm hoping to get her on the show. So, Oh, my gosh, that would be amazing. So good. So I guess in wrapping this up, all of you guys, all the team here, I guess, looking back at 100 episodes, and I guess we should wrap this up and uh, let everybody move on with their, with their evening here and their weekend, um, I guess, you know, our first fireside chat. I think it was a success. And uh, any final goodbyes to everybody? Oh, I just had a blast getting to actually talk to everybody <laughs> right. all, all at once. Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope the D heads love it as much as we did because I, I, I'd love to do this again. Uh, I would too. Totally. Oh well, yeah. Like I told Jonathan before we even started, this has been what I've been looking forward to all week. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no, I'm worried about that blooper track. <laughs> well, we all know I'm going to be on there for the laptop charger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you're oh, so. Yeah. Yours!
right, LVD heads, so I hope you enjoyed this week's show, our very first fireside chat here with the D-Team to celebrate that 100th episode. So I do want to extend a very special thank you once again to the one and only the talented Mark Silverman for stopping in here this week and talking about getting that role of Rod Serling on the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, those fantastic stories, and clearing up about that body double that was done at Walt Disney Imagineering. Thank you, Mark, once again for stopping in and sharing these fantastic stories with all of you D-Heads. I'd also like to thank the D-Team, all the D-Team, and those who were here this week, including Caitlin, Nathan, Aaron, and Paige, all for stopping in here for our very first 100th episode, Fireside Chat. We wanted to do something different and just really interact and have a look back at all of our past shows here at the show for all of you D-Heads. So thank you, the D-Team. This show would not happen without you. And of course, Lexi and Jason and all the D-Team, we're not forgetting you as well. And most of all, I want to thank you, the D-Heads. Without you, there would be no show. We wouldn't be reaching our five-year anniversary, and we wouldn't have made it to show number 100. So thank you, all the D-Heads, for stopping in here. And next week for show number 101, which marks our 100th guest here at Diz Radio, we have a very special person stopping in here. So before I let you in as to who's going to be stopping in here, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at Diz Radio. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our fullest of past shows, the complete archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N. D-I-Z. And you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Diz Radio or Disney Blue. And remember, you can get the latest shows right there on your mobile device, your tablets, and more. Just search Disney On Demand or Diz Radio and get the latest shows right there to listen to through iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So, all of you D-Heads, next week, show number 101. It marks our 100th guest here at Diz Radio. And how are we going to do that? We're going to celebrate it with somebody very special. The one, the only, Rolly Crump. Yes, Rolly Crump, Walt Disney Imagineer, the man who has worked on such great things like 101 Dalmatians, as well as Imagineer Extraordinaire with Small World, The Haunted Mansion, Museum of the Weird. I mean, so many great stories come out of this gentleman. And Rolly Crump, Walt Disney icon, legend, Imagineer, is going to be stopping in here to celebrate our 100th guest on show number 101. So, all VD heads, with that said, as I always say every single week, it was a pleasure. Thank you for letting us do this show for you. And remember, take that time, slow down, and never neglect family for business. Until next week, all VD heads, I will catch you online, and I hope you enjoyed this very special show number 100.
Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.